Welcome to our study of the book of Revelation. It's a video series that's going to help us beware and be aware of the events and the signs and the spirit of the times to be ready for that last day, the day of judgment, but also to be blessed and to not be afraid because we do belong to Jesus. Now, these themes that we've been talking about, be blessed, be ready, don't be afraid, these are all found in Revelation chapters 2 and 3 when we start talking about the letters to the churches. And these letters do follow a pattern, right? There's a command to write, there's a description of a speaker who is Jesus, uh, there's a commendation, a criticism given, uh, not to all the churches, but there's warning, admonition, a call to hear and obey, and then a promise is given at the end of each letter. So we're in the second letter, the letter to the church at Smyrna, Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. And we're going to find there's a description of the speaker, right? To the angel of the assembly in Smyrna, right? The first and the last who was dead and has come to life says these things. So again, we're always uh, scripture interpreting the scripture. In Revelation chapter 1, John sees this one like the son of man and he falls at his feet as if he was dead. And, and Jesus reaches out and touches him and says, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now I'm alive forever and I hold the keys of death and Hades. So Jesus is the one, the living one who walks among the lampstands who is with his church. And so when Jesus says, don't be afraid in Revelation chapter one, he is referencing why we shouldn't because he's the first and the last. He is the living one. He was dead, and behold, he is alive forever and ever. And he holds dominion, power uh, over the keys, right? The things that lock us up, the keys of death and, and Hades. And he gives these keys, the proclamation of the gospel. Isn't that the news, the forgiveness of sins that frees us? Uh, from the devil and from the corrupt world and from our own sinful flesh. And in his resurrection, we're connected with him uh, in his death, but also in his resurrection, uh, we now not only live, but have the promise of life eternal as, as well. So the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Again, scripture interpreting the scripture. In John chapter 1, um, John begins his gospel this way. In the beginning was... The Word, which is the second person of the Trinity. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of man, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness hasn't overcome it. Boy, this sounds a whole lot like Revelation chapters 1, 2, and 3, right? The living one, the one who is the first and the last, the one who walks among the lampstands, the one who is uh, the one who gives life, the one who lights up the darkness, and the darkness can't overcome it. Now, Paul, in his letter to the uh, Colossians, says, This Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Because by him all things were created in the heavens and on the earth, visible things and invisible things, whether thrones or powers, dominions, principalities, all things have been created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things 
hold together. And so these churches struggling with persecution and temptation uh, to fall away from the faith uh, are encouraged that the one who walks among the lampstands is the first and the last, without beginning, without end. Uh, He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the living one who was dead on our behalf, right? Dead for sin, but defeated that sin, defeated death, uh, rose again on the third day. Now there's a a commendation given to this church. Verse 9, I know your works, oppression, and your poverty, but then it says, but you are rich. Now those two things don't seem to go together, do they? Poverty, uh, but you are rich. Well, this is this um, this sense of looking at the kingdom of God, not through the eyes and expectations of this world, but rather through the eyes of Christ. Again, we live by faith and not by sight, not by the way the world tells us to view things. So Jesus says, uh, blessed are, and these seem to be a, a paradox or a contradiction. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. And blessed are those who have been persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he says, blessed are you when people reproach you, persecute you, say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so you hear blessed, right? Now in Revelation, uh, we've mentioned that that little phrase blessed are uh, occurs seven times in this book speaking to the church in the midst of uh, the conflict of this world and the persecution of this world. It seems as if the church is being attacked um, and is poor. But Jesus says, I know your oppression. I know your poverty. Things may be coming against you physically in this world, but take heart, you are rich, uh, rich in the gifts of Uh, Christ Jesus. So beware and be aware, right? This is this little phrase we've been using, and you can see it uh, just summarized in these letters to the churches. Be ready, be blessed, don't be afraid. Why? Because you belong to Jesus. Now, I know your works, your oppression, your poverty, but you are rich. And I also know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and they are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Say they are Jews and they are not. Synagogue of Satan. Interesting phrases, right? What does it mean? Well, this is a reference and uh, it really raises the question, who is the true Israel? Now, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 9, he says, Don't think to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. So he's speaking to his own people, uh, the Jewish nation. Uh, the the genetic, right, uh, offspring of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He says, don't think to yourselves, we have, we have Abraham as our father. He says, I'm going to tell you that God is re- able to raise up children from these stones. John chapter 8, Jesus speaks very directly um, to those who are uh, coming against him. And they're saying, well, our father is Abraham. 
Jesus says, well, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. And he says, Abraham didn't do this, but you do the works of your father. And then very clearly he identifies who their father is. He says, you are of your father, the devil. And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and doesn't stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he speaks a lie, he speaks on his own, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So Jesus is beginning to make this distinction that true Israel is something different than just tracing your genealogy back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Galatians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says, For you are, you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Speaking to Jews and Gentiles. All children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And so there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. So we're brought into the kingdom of God, Jews, Gentiles, through being connected to Christ Jesus, uh, through the gift of baptism. Uh, and then we are called Abraham's offspring. Now, Romans chapter 9, Paul continues, uh, he says in verse 6, but it is not as though the word of God has come to nothing. He says, for they are not all Israel, that are of Israel. Neither because they are Abraham's offspring are they all children. But your, but your offspring will be accounted as from Isaac. That is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as heirs. So not genealogy. Jesus is saying, you know, um, just because you call yourselves um, children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I know who your true father is. Children of the promise, children believing the, the Messiah uh, is Jesus the Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Those are the true children of God, the true Israel. Now he says, don't be afraid of those things which you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, and that you may be tested, and you will have oppression for ten days. Be faithful to death, and I will give you the crown of life. So in this specific context, there is this uh, synagogue of Satan that was mentioned. And there seems to be some type of oppression that is coming against the true Israel, the children of God through faith, that uh, the devil is the agent behind this, right? Synagogue of Satan. So outwardly proclaiming to be children of God, but inwardly they are um, not of faith, but rather children of the devil. So when they gather together, they are not the ecclesia gathered around the word of God and his promises, uh, with the Messiah standing in their midst, but rather they are gathered around the words of another. Those words do not speak about the person of Christ for the forgiveness of sins, but also um, because of that, they are now attacking uh, those who gather together around the word of God, around uh, the person and work of Jesus. And so it says very clearly, some are about to throw you into prison and you will have oppression for 10 days, but be faithful 
to death, and I will give you the crown of life. So we're going to talk about what does that mean? Oppression for 10 days and be faithful unto death. And I'm going to give you a crown if you persevere, the crown of life. So again, this book of Revelation, it's a series that's going to help us beware and be aware of the events and the signs and the spirit of the times to be ready for that last day, the day of judgment. Uh, But while we wait to be blessed, to not be afraid because we do belong to Jesus.